Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to episode um, 67, season 3. In this episode, we're going to talk about construction details on typical houses going back some three, 350 years. And to understand the construction and, and function of siding details, siding details, so. So even if they can't tell you what it's called, most folks will recognize the cornice on an old house. That is the assemblage of uh, molded surfaces where the wall meets the roof. Be it the complex brim of an Italianate row house or just the subtle double curves of a Georgian style built-in gutter, a cornice calling is both practical and architectural. Cornices help keep water off the face of the building, as well as give definition to the top of the wall. Cornices are not the only such features outside the old house. Wood frame buildings, especially from the late 19th and early 20th centuries, have familiar features further down the wall. They're called belt courses and water tables. They're not as obvious as cornices, they do as much to enhance the life and looks of the building. Since they're sometimes lost to insensitive siding and remodeling makeovers, it pays to know how they were built and intended to perform, and perform they did when executed properly. The most, <clears throat> most house change materials were the, in the walls where the wall meets the foundation, a logical location for some sort of trim. Unless the foundation is completely protected, water running down the wall will wash against the foundation, and over time, this action stains the surface and erodes masonry joints. A well-constructed water table limits the damage by diverting runoff so as it to drops clear of the foundation. A water table also serves a practical purpose in siding installation. Both shingles and clapboards have to be started in some way. That is, the first course must be supported at a slight angle to simulate the previous course. The angle is often established with an initial undercourse with shingles or boards hidden from view, but it can also be provided by the water table itself. Elaborate water tables were favorite devices for <coughs> designers of Queen Anne and Colonial Revival houses in the late 19th century, offering yet another surface element for decoration. But by the bungalow era, water tables were predominantly for show. With guttering standard, water runoff was less of a concern. Yet a semi-functional band was a great excuse to integrate the parts and emphasize the horizontality of the building. Clabbers were the wall cladding and is clapboards or similar horizontal siding. That's what it would be called, clapboards. It has long been customary, customary to make the water table out of a 1X type trim lumber. The, the simplest such water table is merely a horizontal board topped by some drip cap molding at the turn of the century. However, the practice was to use sloping boards that projected from the wall also called base courses or cant boards. 
these boards were attached by supporting them on blocking or horizontal trim. Since the water table starts the siding, clabberts or weatherboards must be beveled at the bottom to meet the board at the correct angle. A more refined approach is to further support the siding with blocking or a rabbit in the board. Water tables that end shingled walls go a step further than weatherboard construction. The most straightforward method is to flare out the first two or three courses on two or three raised nailers, beveled to fully support the shingle itself. A starter course of shingles is still needed to begin the siding in the customary manner. A small molding might be added underneath to finish the joint itself. So good flashing is very important where the siding meets the water table board or trim meets the foundation. Sheet lead is traditional and long-lived, but copper is also acceptable. So make sure the the flashing travels at least 18 inches up under siding to prevent any moisture intrusion or wicking up from any splashback or even capillary action. Water tables are most effective when built with a drip lip or molding that keeps water from running back under the table, up under the carpentry, or down the lower wall. Before painting or installing, pre-prime all exposed trim and shingles with a paintable water repellent preservative. Pay particular attention to board edges and end grain alike. So between the water table and cornice, many houses feature yet another trim device, the belt course. As the name suggests, a belt course bridles all sides of the house somewhere in the middle, typically, but not necessarily, at the second story line. Many belt courses are flat, but they can project too, helping the water shed itself. When viewed as carpentry devices, belt courses are akin to corner boards. They are trans- transitions between different sections of the wall or different siding materials. Where, for example, upper story shingles meet clapboards, stucco, or stone, there has to be a way to end one material and start another in a weather-resistant joint. Hammer nails aside, belt courses have long been favorite architectural devices for putting more or less visual emphasis on a building's massing. Of course, a belt course may have no other purpose than to interrupt a monotonous wall. A flat belt course in a flat uniform wall is typically little more than a thicker trim installed with flush match siding. Flat belt courses may also take the form of water tables. In such a case, the large vertical board is topped with a narrow piece of sloping trim, such as a common drip cap or molding. Belt courses that bridge different siding materials are more complicated, but still similar to water tables in construction. Where shingles meet clapboards or weatherboards, the most common situation, the upper story sheathing must be flared out with blocking shaped to to the desired kick. A flat board on the wall starts the lower siding. These two surfaces are joined by bed molding that finishes off the overhang. In Queen Anne and Colonial Revival houses, this molding may be quite large, where the lower story is masonry. The bed molding is usually thick enough to cover the masonry still joint, still with no no further trim needed. 
So where flat or projecting bell courses meet clapboards or shingles on the lower wall, it's a good practice to have a siding tuck into the to a rabbit that is cut the back side of the lowest board. A short cut is to the same effect is to install the board over three eighths inch furring so to produce a similar space without cutting a rabbit. Because flat bell courses are usually a different material from the siding, good flashing is critical. Make sure sheet lead or copper is installed 18 inches up, as we said, or more up the wall under the siding or stucco and extends out and over the belt course, much the same as flashing over doorway trim or false half-timbering. Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist, signing out. Thanks for listening.